Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, January the 19th, 2023. It's 7 a.m. here in Spotswood, and I hope that all of you had a very pleasant Wednesday and that you have a great weekend lined up ahead of you. Let me remind you, <clears throat> decisions for the Lord's Day for Sunday morning start on Monday, but I don't mean this coming one. You should have already been decided. decided that uh, that you will be <clears throat> in the Lord's house with the Lord's people worshiping him. So it doesn't have to be at Old Providence, but you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church, okay? Obviously, there are extenuating circumstances from time to time, and people can't join. We get all of that. And I will add this. <clears throat> if you've looked at the weather forecast right now, now I know it's 7.01 a.m. on Thursday, but right now, there's about a 50% chance of snow on Sunday. So for those of you who are on our one call, obviously, you know, stay tuned in case we need to cancel church. But others, if you regularly watch this and you may not be on our one call, we will post something on Facebook if we end up canceling church as well. So just be aware of those things as we go into this weekend. Again, what a joy it is, really, what an honor it is for me to be with you all this morning, especially as we come to the section that we come to today. Y'all, this is one of those sections that is just hard to read. It is hard to process. And in fact, there's much of it that we cannot fathom, namely our Savior's love. We also really can't fathom what he went through for you and for me. Of course, I'm referring to what Jesus went through in John chapter 19, as he was mercilessly beaten at just horrible, horrible circumstances leading up to his crucifixion. But we're not only focusing on that aspect, we're also focusing on the thorough, outright rejection of Jesus by his people, by the Jews. And it is thorough. Where we left off yesterday was with that statement that is a question. I refer to these things as quaintments. When after uh, Pilate was questioning Jesus, if you just look at John 18, 37, this is Pilate speaking. He says, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And it's at this point that Pilate makes that statement. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now, Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Now, that's where we left off yesterday. That's where we're going to pick up today. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we go into this time together, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we would see. Give us ears that we would hear. Let us see, let us hear the great love of Jesus Christ for us, his people. Give us grateful hearts and a prompting to trust to obey, to submit to the will of Christ, and to have the mind of Christ. Please guide us now, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 
Now, most obviously, there, there are a few questions that we can ask here, but perhaps the biggest one, just given what we read, who is Barabbas? Well, we really don't have a lot of background on Barabbas other than what we have been told here. It says now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. The best guess is that Barabbas was of the zealot party, right? That he was considered a zealot. And yes, zeal would be the root word of that. But he was part of the more extremist Jewish party um, that was constantly, constantly causing problems for Rome. Right. Um, Rome swept through, defeated Israel and every other part of that, the, the world, <laughs> that place and time. However, as I mentioned yesterday, Israel was a very important portion of the Roman Empire for no other reason than it was an important trade route. Okay, so they needed to have Israel open. They needed to, to, to have commerce and traffic flow through Israel in order to supply Europe. Nevertheless, there are constant problems there. One of the reasons is because of men like Barabbas, who were religious zealots, who despised the Roman Empire, right? And they did everything they could from uprising after uprising to rebellion after rebellion to killing political leaders to you name it. They hated Rome. They wanted Rome out. That's who Barabbas is, now, it's interesting here. Remember what has happened at this point, okay? Pilate comes out with Jesus, and he says, I find no basis for a charge against this man. In other words, you brought him here, but I don't see anything wrong here. But then Pilate makes the offer. It was customary at the time of the Passover for Rome to release a prisoner. He offered to them, who do you want? And they said, Barabbas. Right now, we're going to come back to this because this is not the only time this happens. It's fascinating here. If you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you don't see nearly as much detail or the repetitiveness, okay, that you see um, with the Jews constantly appealing to Barabbas. So you see now a second main focus that is brought out in John's gospel. Not only does John focus on the aspect of Jesus being in control, okay, of Jesus being unwavering in his resolve, you also see the thorough rejection of Jesus by his people. Y'all, not just once, but multiple times, they absolutely reject him, and then a capstone is placed on it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at what happened next. Now, after saying that he found no basis for a charge against this man, chapter 19, verse 1, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him in the face. Pausing right there for just a moment, let's look at this from an overhead view, all right? And then we'll focus in on Jesus himself. The overhead view is that when somebody was going to be crucified, it was regular practice for that individual to be flogged, okay? Now, what is flogging? Well, Romans were varied in the instruments they, they used for this. Most likely they used something called a flagellum, 
right? Um, if you remember biology, you hear about flagellum on cells, right? It helps cells move around. It's like long, wispy tentacles. That's an appropriate name because what they used was a whip made out of several leather cords. Now, that alone would be bad enough. But on the end of the cords, in order to increase the power of the strike and its devastation, they would usually tie on little tiny sharp pieces of bone, glass, and lead. And what they would do with an individual was tie that individual to a post, right? They would strip them absolutely naked. I mean, absolutely naked. Some people think of the back. It wasn't just the back. They would beat that individual with that flagellum. They would flog. They would scourge that individual and there really wasn't a set amount of time, but there was a very practical side behind this. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be cold and calculating about this, but you need to understand what's going on here. Pilate said, I know I find no basis for charge against the man. Then you might say, well, why is he having him flogged? Because again, Pilate offered to release Jesus, or, but they chose Barabbas. So Jesus is being prepared for crucifixion here. You might say, well, why did he need to be flogged, though? The reason is this. Y'all, people from crucifixion did not die from blood loss, okay? Um, they did what they, in essence, they died of was suffocation. To be hung up with your hands behind you, even doing this and leaning over places pressure on your diaphragm. When you are hung on a cross, and when you just have to hang there and hang there, your body's ability to draw back over and over again and take in air, as you are exhausted, your, your, your body loses that ability and eventually you suffocate. So to that end, in order to increase the process, it can take a long time for somebody to do this. It's agonizing. It's, it's the worst form of execution. So in order to speed up this process, Remember, when you're on a cross, your back is against the cross beam, right? Um, or against the beam, and your arms are on the cross beam. But your back was flogged because not only did it severely damage the muscles. Josephus, a, a Jewish historian in the first century, talked about scourgings, right? And he talked about how normally when people were scourged or were flogged, you could see every one of their organs, you know, this wasn't just Jesus' back was cut up. His muscle was stripped away, all right? Um, it was not uncommon for people who were being flogged to pass out. That was extremely common, but it also wasn't uncommon for them to just die right there from the pain, from the shock, from the blood loss. But they did this to Jesus, stripping away not only skin, but muscle, breaking bones, so that his ability to draw himself up over and over again would have been severely hampered. And yet we know that our Lord spent hour after hour on the cross. Not only would his back and his legs and everything would have been flogged, that's why they would also put the nails through his wrists and through his feet. If it was ropes, that would help him more and more pull himself up. But they did this yet again to speed up the crucifixion process. To say that this was brutal is a vast understatement. But also, to buy into this garbage that people sell 
that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. This used to be called the swoon theory, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He just swooned on the cross, and he was in a coma for three days. Look, y'all, not only do we have the testimony of, of them piercing Jesus's side, okay? Normally, again, to speed up the process, and I don't mean to be morbid here, not only would they use the nails in the hands and feet, not only would they do the flogging, remember at the end of Jesus's crucifixion, they went to break his legs. That was the final act, right? Because if you couldn't push yourself up with your legs, obviously you couldn't breathe, you'd suffocate. They didn't have to do that. He was already dead. And we know that water ran from his side, okay? But y'all, this idea, that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, that is all the different explanations for why Jesus didn't really die. That is the worst. Let me tell you something. It does not match with the crucifixion method. Nowhere do you have any history of somebody not dying on a cross when they were executed by those means, unless they were taken down early. But also, listen, y'all, in terms of the history of the world, I challenge you to find a group of people that were better at execution than the Romans. Look, if any group of people knew how to kill somebody, it was the Romans. They were very good at it, very efficient. But with that efficiency came horrors such as this. So, again, the reason Pilate had him flogged was because he was preparing him for crucifixion. That's the overhead view. But as we deal with the particulars here, there is a special poignancy at work. Not only is Jesus flogged, he's mocked again and again. We don't have the account here of them selling Jesus' clothes or well, it's not really selling Jesus' clothes. They cast lots for Jesus' clothes. We, we don't have that at this point in, God, in, in, the gospel, in the gospel according to John. I can't speak this morning. That's not in here. But what we do have is what we've just read about here in verse 2, where first thing they did was they clothed him in a Excuse me. First thing they did was place a crown of thorns on his head. And y'all... Maybe you've seen different representations of this. Realize the kind of thorns that they have um, in Israel around Jerusalem. These are not thorns like on a, a, a rose bush. These are not thorns like you might see with blackberries, that kind of thing. These are long, thick, pointed thorns, okay? Devastating thorns. I mean, they're, they're the kind of thorns that if you step on, they would go through your foot like a nail. Not these little things. So they twisted this, and when it says they put it on his head, do you think they were gentle as they did that? Now, the amount of blood that Jesus would have lost from the flogging would have been catastrophic. Remember how we talked about Malchus when Peter cut Malchus's ear off? We cannot imagine the amount of blood that this would have produced as they jammed those thorns on Jesus's head. I'm trying to keep it together as I talk about this, but y'all, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This is the one who had done nothing wrong. The only human being that has ever lived that didn't deserve death. 
And this is what they do to him. And not only do they mock him through this crown of thorns, next, they clothed him. And I'm in verse 20 or verse two. They clothed him in a purple robe. Y'all know that purple represents royalty. Verse three, and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Do you get the picture of what's going on here with our Lord? This is devastating. Not only the pain, not only the agony, the mockery, the scoffing. And what you see here is two things. Number one, you see Rome's derision for the Jews. And part of this has nothing to do with Jesus at all. It has everything to do with how much the Romans hated the Jews. And we talked about Barabbas leading these uprisings. These soldiers would have had to contend with this all the time. I think I mentioned a couple of days ago, as the governor in that part of the world of the Roman Empire, Pilate's orders were, keep it quiet. No news is good news. Rome doesn't want to hear a single thing about anything happening in Israel. And as a result, these Roman soldiers would have had to deal with men like Barabbas all the time, right? Let me tell you something. It's not exactly the safest part of the world today, especially certain times of the year, Ramadan and so forth. You have bombings, all these things. Rewind 2,000 years, okay? So that's part of this. But there's a special derision for Jesus. Because not only are they focusing on the Jewish aspect, again, it's not only that he's been scourged, they're punching him in the face, they're striking him in the face. There's a reason why we find out from Isaiah and other sources that Jesus didn't even look like a human being anymore. They brutally attacked him again and again, and all the while mocking him. And what was Jesus's response? Nothing. And I think that's important, y'all. I don't think it's important. I know it's important. Because remember, God created with a word. Jesus, God the Son, could have consumed them with a word, with a thought. They could have been inflamed. I mean, and yet he took it. He took it. And as a result, by his wounds, you and I are healed. Why did he have to face this? Would death not be enough? Yes. And yet, as we continue to dwell on our Lord's passion for us, his people, as we dwell on this torture that he endured, let us not be angry with the Romans, because it wasn't the Romans' fault that he was facing this. Let's not be angry with the Jews either. It's not like Jesus wouldn't have died had they not turned him in. Jesus faced this, not because of Judas, not because Peter didn't come in in a timely fashion and defend him. No. Jesus did this for me. If you know him, Jesus did this for you and because of you. And the only ones that we can blame for Jesus's death ourselves for our sinfulness and yet he kept on going 
let it not be lost on us, the power of our Lord's love. Verse 4, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Why did Pilate parade Jesus out? Maybe it was out of cruelty. I, maybe Pilate did this just to show the, the, the chief priests, the Pharisees, just to say, hey, look, you're worried about this guy. You say that he's saying all of these things over here, but look at what I've reduced him to. I don't find any basis for a charge against this man. And yet their only reply is crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jews insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And we'll stop right there for today. And we'll pick up there, well, on Monday. Why was Pilate afraid? Was he afraid of what would happen with the Jews, of some kind of uprising if he didn't do what they said? Or was Pilate afraid because of Jesus? You know, again, it's fascinating what's included in, in the different Gospels. For instance, this is John chapter 18, but Matthew chapter 27. Oh, we find this amazing, incredible detail that while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. What's going on with that? What, what's going on with Pilate? We'll get to that on Monday. But as for right now, I think this is an appropriate spot to end. Dwell in our Lord's sacrifice and remember why he did it. Not for some idea not for some gigantic group. If you know him, he did it for you. And he would do it again. Let's pray. Our Father, please work in our hearts. Give us a greater sense of appreciation as we have dwelled today on just a picture of what our Lord endured. Father, we are so grateful for his love, for his sacrifice, and that in him, we are yours. For any that do not know you, please work in their hearts now. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back on Monday morning at 10, or excuse me, at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Even if we do cancel for snow, let me just say this. If we do cancel for snow, we'll still be here um, Sunday morning. Well, Maybe not in the sanctuary. We'll, we'll have to see what, how things work out. Um, most likely, if we do cancel, I'll be sitting right here, and I'll be with you, and um, we'll enjoy that time together. It'll be a little bit different. But anyway, thank you all for being here. I see who's here this morning. I see Christine and Alice. Good morning. And there is Becky and Rose and Elizabeth and the other Becky. Thank you all so much. Lord willing, we'll see you Monday morning at 7. And if you can, get to church Sunday at 10 a.m.
Y'all have a fantastic day.